Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. In this episode, I am really excited and slightly nervous to be sharing with you the three lessons that I've learned by never becoming an All-American. I hope this resonates with a lot of you who have pursued a dream for a super long time and never achieved that dream. Welcome back to the second episode. Let's get started. Welcome to the Dr. Jordan Fairley Podcast. This show is for people who are ready to implement immediate actionable strategies and insights in health, business, and life. Inside each episode, I'll share with you my biggest aha moments, stories, and interviews to introduce new ways to reframe your current situation and reclaim your life. I'm your host, Dr. Jordan Fairley. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. I hope you enjoyed that last episode where I talked about the number one incident or thing that happened in my life that really changed the trajectory of my life moving forward. And that was the story about how driving off a 60-foot cliff changed my life. And I imagine for a lot of you hearing that, you're probably like, yeah, I get it. I understand how driving off a 60-foot cliff would change the trajectory of your life. But the main point of that was looking past the external or physical traumas and realizing the effect that these physical traumas have on your internal state. And really the path that was changed for me thereafter was this purpose-driven path of wanting to connect with people past the physical level, connect to the deep inner introspective level of what is this person really going through and what is this person wanting to achieve out of their life and recognizing that regardless of where you're at in your life, regardless of the family situation you're in, the amount of money you have, the business things that are going on, the physical ailments you might have had, your age, there are always action steps that you can do to get more out of life and to get more in line with your purpose. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with something that I've really never shared with anybody before. Uh, I believe it's really easy to see and hear a lot of the things that I've been doing and see the success. And that's not all of it. Today's episode is what do you do if you never achieve the one thing you wanted more than anything. The one thing you've worked so hard for and you still fail. There are three big realizations and transformations that I've had that I now use through all of my time in running. That last episode, I talked about how I had some success as a distance runner in college, but really the only thing I ever wanted more than anything really in my entire life was to become an All-American in either cross country or in track. So in high school, I had some really good success. I won multiple um, league championships. I placed top three or so in the section championships. I was top 10 in cross country in the state of California. So I had some different colleges that were looking at me and I ended up going to Chico State. So Chico State is known as a distance running Mecca. You probably thought I was going to say a party school, which (laughs) 
Uh, some people can say that, but it on an athletic level, it's known as a badass running school. Shout out to Coach Gary Town for putting everything together and all of the amazing athletes that have gone through Chico State and all the amazing athletes that I got to call teammates at my time there. But I went to Chico State and the only thing I wanted more than anything else was to become an All-American in cross-country and track because to me, that was a measurable result that you made it, that you achieved something, that you got to the highest level of college athletics to a point where you could say, I was a freaking All-American. All the hard effort I put in, all the training, all the hundreds of miles per week, like that resulted in becoming an All-American. That was something you could take home and look at years later, decades later, and say like, at least at that time, I became an All-American. That's what so many people I know, not just myself, valued themselves and looked at their self-worth being, did I become an All-American? So my sophomore year was the very first opportunity that I had to run in in NCAA championships, qualified uh, by getting top 12 in the Western region. And so our team made it to the NCAA championships. The NCAA championships my sophomore year in cross country was in Missouri, and it was freaking hot. And up until this point, really all through college, um, all through uh, high school, nobody really knew this other than my mom because she saw it time after time after time. But I would literally throw up before every single championship race. Every single championship race, the day of up to 30 minutes before, I would be puking my guts out before the race because I was so nervous. I had this fear that what if I fail? I'm expected from an external place and my internal place that I had to achieve a certain thing. In reality, yes, there's external things. There's newspaper articles say you're going to do this. Your coaches expect you to do this. Your family members expect you to do this. But the internal fear of what if I fail was the main reason why I would throw up. I would get so nervous. The anxiety was super, super high. And I literally wouldn't eat the entire day before the race, sometimes the night before. And at this NCAA championships in Missouri, I remember specifically we were all out at a team dinner. My mom was sitting at the dinner table. I was with my entire team and I had maybe three bites of the entire dinner. And you know, the whole saying of like, have pasta before you race, it's because you're supposed to be carbo loading. You're supposed to be getting an injury or not injury, hopefully you're not injured. You're supposed to be getting some calories and energy in order to race cross country the next day. And so I literally didn't eat more than three bites. And the next day before the race, I was puking my guts out because I was so scared of what if I fail? I'm a sophomore now. I'm not my past my first years, my first chance to show myself, to prove myself, all of this uh, external ego of everything I had trained for there. Therefore, this is my first opportunity to achieve this dream. And so we had a young team, race goes out, completely bomb. I was 12th in our regional championships, one of the best regions other than in Colorado. And so I should be, you know, 60th to 40th or 60th. Like if I had the best race of my entire life, I probably could become an All-American. Completely bomb. I think I was like 120th or something. But at the time, I remember, you know, I'm young. It was my first NCAA championships. I was puking, didn't have any energy, psyched myself out. Like I have three more years 
to where I've learned this experience. Now I have an NCAA championships under my belt. So from here going on forward, I could do something about it. I could train harder. I could prepare mentally. And so what I did was my mom gave me a sports psychologist meditation uh, CD at the time. And so the CD was the very first experience I ever had with meditation and breath work. Like I thought that was weird. I thought it was woo woo. I didn't understand how to just how something like that would make sense. And then went through like your toes and your calves and your knees and your thighs all the way to your face and relax and sink into it and visualize the race, visualize all the moments up until the moment. And it works. I mean, I felt prepared. I felt good but going into big um, workouts. I felt good before other races. It was the very first time I'd ever visualized. And what I learned from that was to trust myself in the process, trust everything I had done up until that point, knowing I was prepared for whatever that race is. And so going into my next season, that track season, uh, I, I did the steeplechase. My good friend at the time, Tim Tollefson, shout out to Tim, who's crushing it in distance running world right now and ultra marathoning, uh, Tim and I were the two steeplechasers. And at one point in the track season, our my sophomore year, Tim's senior year, we were ranked third and fifth in the country. So we had the third and fifth fastest times in division two, at least in the NCAA championships. And so going into NCAA championships, feeling great. I ended up winning the conference championship that sophomore year. And so going into the NCAA championships on a roll and Two weeks before the NCAA championships, I started to get sciatica going all the way down my right leg. And if you never had sciatica going down the right leg, like you can't lift your leg up. You get a sharp, either a sharp stabbing going all the bottom of your foot or a tingling and numbness. And I had a tingling and numbness on the bottom of my foot and the sharp stabbing. If you don't know what the steeplechase is, steeplechase is a badass event. In my opinion, steeplechase, pole vaulting. They go to two events to watch. The steeplechase is about two miles, so 3,000 meters on the track, and it has seven hurdles or water or barriers on the track. So they're, you know what hurdle is. You jump over the hurdle, but these are long barriers, so they're made out of wood and they don't move. So if you hit these things, boom, face first on the track. And so you have these seven water, the barriers, and then you have one water jump, a literal water jump on the track. You jump over into the water, back out. And so you have to do this seven and a half laps. And so I had sciatica going down my leg and I literally could not lift my leg up over the barrier. And so I was trying to um, train, trying to practice. I was seeing my athletic trainer. I was seeing my physical therapist. I was a pre-physical therapy major at the time. I was seeing massage therapists. I was getting um, pain medications, muscle relaxants from our orthopedic surgeon from the team. I was doing the uh, massage. I was doing the inversion table, which only made things worse. Nothing I did made it better. Going to the NCAA championships, still have the sciatica pain down my leg. Probably have some little bit of nerves, but I learned the visualization component. I'm super confident in my abilities, and I end up um, – getting into the race. Tim and I, I think we we're in the same race, uh, in the prelims, you have to go to the prelim to qualify for the finals and going around first lap, feel good, tucked in nicely. Uh, feel, you know, feel like I'm ready to qualify for the finals feeling fantastic. The, ch- the crowd is cheering Chico Chico. We we're down at Mount Sac in LA. So we had a huge crew out there cheering. And so they're cheering for me and Tim going into the second lap, hit the water jump, jump up onto the water jump off 
land one foot in the water. Second, my foot lands in the water. Bam. Felt like I got stabbed with a knife in the leg. Fall to the track. Roll to the inside on the grass. Seriously, the only thing I remember is the crowd. Chanting, Chico, Jordan, Chico, Tim, and then literally being silent. And I just looked up and I watched all the other runners run by and I'm laying, grasping my hamstring in the middle of the grass, butt soaking wet from the rain. And it was like almost immediate, like tears started coming to my eyes. I remember hobbling across the infield throughout the rest of the race, go get a bag of ice. And it was like, not again, man. Like seriously, the only thing I could think about was letting my parents down. My parents weren't at the uh, prelims because it was almost a shoe in that I'd get into the finals. So they were going to come down the next day for the finals and the championships. And so they never even saw me compete in the NCAA track and field championships and the prelims two laps in month goes by or so. I still have the sciatica, but my hamstring heals. I had no idea what to do. Nothing was helping. I ended up meeting a chiropractor at a farmer's market downtown farmer's market, meet this dude, Dr. Scott Joyce, who's in Chico. And he scans me with some type of nerve scan. He's like, this is going to check out your nerves. I had no idea what it was, but I was like, okay, whatever. Scans me with what now I know is an infrared thermography device. So it reads heat or irritation at the nerve roots and compares to see if there's inflammation. And it was bright red, lower right side, L5 sacrum. I was like, dude, okay, I get it. This makes sense. Yes, I'll take you up on your offer. Go into the office, like super weird. You know, I met you at a farmer's market, but this guy can probably help me because he saw this thing on this machine. Adjust me, feels a little bit better. Later that week, adjust me again. No joke, second adjustment, all of my pain down my leg completely went away. I was so pissed. 20 years old or something. I was like, why the hell? Seriously, why the hell did none of the physical therapists, none of the athletic trainers, the orthopedic surgeon, massage therapist, nobody told me to go to the chiropractor before the biggest race of my life? The fuck, man? Second visit. What if I would have gotten adjusted that two weeks before the NCAA championships. So this is the first time I ever really looked into chiropractic. And I knew like that from there on after like chiropractic can be a thing that when I am hurt, I can go in and hopefully it'll help me. I wasn't looking at it as like some sort of proactive thing or anything, but I was looking at it like when I'm hurt, go to the chiropractor. That is a good strategy. Could probably help me with some type of injury that I have in the future. So I didn't go back until I was hurt again. But that was the second time. Next season, train up in altitude with my teammates in Tahoe. It's a fantastic season. We're all crushing it. We're ranked top five in the country as a team. And again, qualified for the NCAA championships. Our team, our top seven guys, were all top 10 in our regional championships. 
crushed an entire Alaskan team full of Kenyans. Like they were thought to have probably beat us at the time. And we crushed them seven guys in the top 10 going to NCAA championships, super freaking cocky on fire. We're in it to win it. We had the top guy in the country of Scott Boz. Scott had won NCAA championships in 10 K the year before or two years before. And so this was his time to win his first cross country championships. And so we got the number one guy in the country. Our team is legit going on fire and we're in slippery rock, Pennsylvania. And it starts freaking snowing the day before I'm doing my meditative practices. I've been healthy all year. This is my opportunity to become an all American. So I'm going to go for it, baby. Race starts snowing. This first like half mile is this gradual hill uphill. And then you loop around and come back down as these couple loops on this 10K or six mile course. And gun goes off. I'm guns blazing out in the almost the front. I was probably top five to 10 people. I have a great picture of me uh, with one of the guys that ended up getting like top five at the front in the race. I was like fifth or sixth guy on our team. There's no way I should be fifth to 10th in the race in that first half mile. I was so overly excited past my current abilities. And so what happened is we made up top of the hill, first half mile of a six mile race. You're not going to win it in that first half mile. And all of a sudden, half mile after half mile after half mile. It's like somebody put a rope around my waist and is pulling me backwards as everybody starts to pass. And one half mile after another, I get slower and slower and slower further back into the pack. Finish the race. I don't remember what I was probably like 90th or hundredth or something choke again. And this time it wasn't from the nerves. I had overcome that fear. It wasn't from injury. I was healthy this time. I didn't respect my current abilities. <laughs> this time I was overly cocky. My team did freaking amazing. Post-team results, top five get NCAA championship trophies. Fifth place that announced the team wasn't us. Fourth place announced the team wasn't us. Third place, Chico State. All of us are jumping up and down, going nuts. Third place NCAA championship team. Like that was tied the best our team had ever done at an NCAA championships. And I have this picture that is on my computer of all of us. The second we heard that noise, everybody jumping. And if you look at my face, it probably looks like my face is frozen. But the reality was I felt like a failure. Again, my best friends, Michael and Brendan and Bo, Angel, Scott, all All-Americans. That's what I worked for too. We're jumping down as a team. Top five people on your team are what qualifies, gets the points. So I never felt like I really contributed to that top three. I know I did. I don't really know I did. Got one more year though. At this moment, I realized if I was never, if I was ever going to become an All-American, it would be this final year. 
I had been hurt. I got hurt that next year in track, like Achilles tendonitis. I ended up uh, breaking my big toe in the conference championship. My one race of the season fell to the track by trying to hurdle the steeplechase water barrier in the last lap. That might be another story another time. Um, but I got hurt again, going into my senior year, best training I'd ever done. 90, 100, 115 mile weeks up at altitude with my teammates right before going into that final season, we do a training camp up at altitude. And that last week, last long run, 18 mile run, I sprained my ankle so bad, sprained my ankle on this rock on this little tiny trail up in Tahoe. Uh, ankle blows up next week, still run a hundred miles on it. Do the training camp feel okay. Two weeks later, we have our first race at Stanford after the race in spikes, literally couldn't walk. I had so much pain. I couldn't push off my toe. I couldn't walk on my heels. I couldn't turn my foot in and out. I couldn't bend my knee. I had so much pain all around that outside of my knee. I was like, what is this? Do I have, is it my IT band? Did I like pop something in my knee? Is it my ankle somehow? And so I went and got an MRI and what they showed was that my peroneal muscle, a muscle on the outside of my leg that it connects to the outside leg bone, the fibula was literally ripping off of the bone. Season over. Final year. I spent seven months rehabbing. Final track season. The thing I learned from this was if you ever wanted something to change in your life, but you weren't willing to create the change in the preparation for that, you would never achieve it. I recognize that in that moment, if I wanted this one thing, I needed to be the change. If you could expect a different result by doing the same thing, over and over and over again, which for me was to continuing to push through injury in, after injury in order to try, get, try to make it to one single race, I would get, keep getting the same result. And so I was doing my breath work, I was doing my meditation, but this is the first time in my life I really started to make a plan. And so I was seeing that chiropractor, I was seeing the physical therapist, I was doing mobility every single day. I started rehab exercises every single day. I was working out in the gym. I was doing strength training. I was doing aqua jogging. I was swimming. I was biking. I was elliptical six hours a day for seven months getting ready for this final track season. Seriously, no joke. Six hours a day in the gym. I was an aerobic beast, man. If I would have done a triathlon at that time, (laughs) I should have been a triathlete. Six hours a day, track season started, not ready. Month goes by, not ready. Finally, Coach Town was like, let's start getting you ready for Mount Sac, the same place where I had pulled my hamstring in NCAA championships two years before that. This is my coming out. This is my final year. Halfway through the season already, finally get an opportunity to run. I did one week of running before this race. Didn't crush the race, did okay, but ultimately it was about getting my feet under me and getting the confidence that this was my opportunity to achieve the one thing that I always wanted. Two more weeks go by before our conference championship, and so I'm set to race in the conference championship. We go down to San Diego, and my best friend, Bo, 
crushes the race, wins the conference championship, and myself and Miles Dunbar from Kodiak, Alaska go two and three. And all three of us had an NCAA qualifying time. We qualified for the NCAA championships. Absolutely stoked. This was my final opportunity to race for an All-American. And so we take the long 12-hour drive home on a bus back up to Northern California. The next day, I wake up early to go for my long run. Halfway through my long run, Achilles explodes. Doesn't literally snap, but pulls super hard. Again, all inflamed, bright red, super squishy inflammation in my Achilles, full-blown Achilles tinnitus from sitting in this bus for a super long time with my calves contracted for hours and hours and hours and then not doing the prehab before my run. Coach is cool. Still takes me to the NCAA championships out in North Carolina. Go cheer on my buddy Bo with some hope that maybe somehow I'd be okay before that final race. Tried running the night before out there in Charlotte. Couldn't run. No way. Trying to push down on my toes was too painful. That was it. Spent the weekend cheering on my best friends, watching my buddy Jimmy, Michael, Clinton, Bo. Bo ended up getting top three in the country in the steeplechase, broke our school record. Had to be excited for him. Had to be excited for him. Best friend. I remember sharing a big Sierra Nevada 30th anniversary beer with Gary Town and Bo in the uh, hotel room. And seriously, just like right now, I'm trying to fight back tears. Like the only thing I wanted, seriously, the only thing I wanted that to me and so many other athletes is like, my value was so tied into if I got all American I never became an all American. I felt like a piece of shit. And still a lot of times, whenever I get hurt, these feelings come up, man, regardless of the lessons you learn, you're still going to feel these feelings. Sometimes not only they completely go away, but if you learn strategies and insights, you can better manage. My value is still not tied to my physical bodies and my achievements on an athletic level. But every time I get hurt, it still comes back. It floods my awareness. And I'm like, that thing again. I've learned so many lessons. And so for everybody out there, I hope this story connected with you in a way that repetitiveness of something you wanted to achieve for so long. And if you never achieved it, hopefully you at least learn the lesson. So my biggest takeaways from all this was that regardless of how scared I am, I can always trust that in this present moment, I am as good as I will ever be regardless of the situation. So when it comes to seeing a patient in the office, I can look people dead in the eye and know that in this moment, I have trained for specifically helping you. If I'm going to go step on a stage, I know that in this moment, this is the best I will ever be. I am today what I have done. And I will be tomorrow what I do today. 
but all I have is the present moment because tomorrow is not guaranteed. So why continue to wait? Why push off all of the things saying that tomorrow I'll be prepared? No, all I have is right now. And I can trust my abilities because I'm giving it everything that I have. And if I fail, I fail. If I don't achieve the thing I needed or wanted or believed that I could achieve, that's okay because I at least put my effort forward. I tried. And in the present moment, this is all I can do. I only briefly touched upon it, but one of the biggest things in my life was that sports psychology, the breath work. Before that, I thought it was all woo-woo. I didn't know anything about breath work or meditation. But now, in my opinion, one of the most important things anybody can do, regardless of what's going on, is take a big conscious breath in. And so I'm much more of a visual learner. I like to actually feel things in my body. So just examples of this is say all of a sudden you start to notice that your shoulders are rolled down and in and you have really short, shallow breathing. Maybe you notice you're starting to get some neck pain. Maybe you notice that your brow is starting to furrow. Maybe you notice that you're starting to get irritated or anxious or some anxiety or, or fearful. All of these are stimulus. All of these are just signals for a change. And so you recognize those as your body is telling you that it wants you to create the change. And so breath is one of the things that you can do. Breath is both conscious and subconscious, meaning you can think about taking in a huge breath and you also don't have to think about it. But when you have that signal, use that as an opportunity to create the changes. So what you can do is breathe into your belly, allow that breath to come all the way up into your rib cage, up into your collarbones, pushing your collarbones up in a way, creating as big of an inhale as you possibly can and then repeat. So maybe this is one breath and you're in, you're centered, you're at ease, you're relaxed, you're present. Maybe it's three breaths. If it feels good, do five. Maybe if you're alone by yourself in your car right now, stop the car and do a minute of breathing. What if you started every single morning with a breath? If you can connect to the present moments, you can trust in your ability in the now. You don't have to be fearful. I share this because, you know, I never achieved that one thing. And this is something that seriously, the only way I wanted to get a tattoo ever was if I became an All-American. Like there's a thing at Chico State where you get an All-American of a tattoo of the Wildcat school logo on your outside right hip. So when people are running around the track, you can see it. And that is a sign, a symbol, a thing that you put it on your body that recognize that I achieved this thing. And so still to this date, I still don't have a tattoo. And I think a lot of it ties to this feeling, this need, like I have to achieve a thing or go through some sort of experience that I had planned for for so long and worked for something for so long to eventually get this thing. And so regardless of if you have achieved that thing, you can always connect to breath and realize that it's okay. The last thing, the main thing I want to take away here was if you're ever expecting a change, you have to be willing to change. So for me, I had injury after injury 
after injury. There are so many injuries that I didn't even share with on this episode, but if I expected to ever have a change, I had to be willing to do something different. So for me, that wasn't get in shape as fast as possible again, and then so I could go do this race. Instead, was looking at what do I need to do to be prepared in the moment, in that future moment when I had the opportunities. And so for me, that was doing the mobility, that was doing the exercises, that was seeing a physical therapist, that was seeing a chiropractor, that was getting some massage, that was doing my meditation, that was doing the visualization, and that was doing the prep to create the change that I was looking for in my own life. And so if you're stuck in the same repetitive pattern now, and you're continuing to get the same results, you have to be willing to change. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope there are some big takeaways and you got a deeper sense of who I am. I think our society shows a lot of the highlight reel and I'm no different, but if you can connect to the underlying emotions of what really makes you who you are right now and consciously think, is that the person I want to be in this moment? If the answer is yes, that's awesome. If the answer is no, there are actionable steps that you can do. If you appreciated the information, if there is one, just one thing that you took away from this, will you do me a favor? I know even myself how easy it is to just go to the next podcast, just go to the episode, just turn it off, do nothing. Will you please take the three seconds to rate this a five-star review, to subscribe to this podcast? Three seconds. That's all it takes. My intention with that is hopefully this podcast reaches somebody who needed to hear this message, who needed to hear those three action steps to create the change that they're looking for in their life. So do me a favor, do that. I look forward to connecting with you at a deeper level in the next episode. Have a good one, everybody.